Welcome to Motherhood Unstressed, a podcast for anyone who wants to let go of stress and anxiety and learn how to be more fully present in life. Each week, I'm speaking with experts in the fields of entrepreneurship, nutrition, mindset, sex, spirituality, and so much more. I'm your host, Liz Carlisle. I'm a writer, a speaker, and an entrepreneur. Through my own struggle to balance the demands of motherhood and life, I discovered that to truly be happy, we need to be present. Your journey to feeling less stressed and more blissfully present in your own life starts right now. Hey guys, in this episode, we are talking about financial independence and what it means to be really frugal so that you are in control of how you want to spend your time. You are not beholden to going to your nine to five job just so that you can pay bills for things that you don't even really need or want. So I'm speaking today with Elizabeth Willard Thames, better known as Mrs. Frugal Woods. She is the creator of the award-winning personal finance blog, frugalwoods.com, and it's all about how at age 32, she reached financial independence and left a successful career in the city to create a more meaningful life with her and her husband. And eventually she had two daughters, and they actually live on 66 acres uh, in the woods of Vermont. So she is just an incredible person. Her story is incredible, and I'm so excited for her to share how she even decided that this is the kind of life that she wanted uh, because she had a job that she loved. She had a life that she loved, but she knew that it wasn't really fulfilling her anymore. And it was, it was really something that struck a chord with me. Um, And I think it will for you too. And and at any rate, even if you're not going to quit your job tomorrow, I think her story will inspire you to spend more thoughtfully and to really spend your time how you would like to spend it. Hey guys, before we jump into this episode, I wanted to share some exciting news with you. This week, we launched our second product. It's a 1000 milligram full spectrum tincture. And a tincture is going to be a stronger form of the capsules and it's full spectrum. So in in addition to the CBD, it also has CBG, CBC, CBDA. So it's all these different cannabinoids that are in the hemp plant that when they combine, it's what's called the entourage effect. And so it's super healing, super potent. And with the tincture, you just put it underneath your tongue, or you can put it in your morning coffee and it hits your system a lot faster and a lot stronger. So you definitely want to take it easy. But when you invest in a product like this, it lasts longer and it's going to give you more bang for your buck in the long run. Um, So definitely check us out. And if you want to see Motherhood Unstressed in your city, go to a store that sells it. A lot of markets, coffee shops, things like that are starting to sell CBD and just ask them to stock it and, you know, send them over to the website. They can contact me and we'll get it to your, your city. So you don't have to order online. You can just pick it up when you're out running errands. Thanks guys. Well, hello, Liz. Welcome to the show. I'm so glad that you're here. Hi, Liz. It's nice to be here. I know it's easy to talk to a list, isn't it? (laughs) Um, So just to give us some background about you and your incredible story, can you just give us a little bit of your origin story and how you went from living, you know, a pretty typical life in the big city to becoming a self-expressed modern day homesteader um, on 66 acres in rural Vermont? Sure. So my husband and I really had a very conventional upbringing and conventional early adulthood, I would say. We went to college, got good grades. We met in undergrad Mm -hmm. and we got married when we were 24, which just sounds ridiculously young. Now that, yeah, I'm 35 now. And I just, I can't believe how young we were, (laughs) but we, we definitely chose the right person. So we're still very happily married. And 
we got jobs in the big city. So I was in New York City. My um, then boyfriend, he was in Boston. We ended up living in Boston and both working there. Then we were in Washington, D.C., then back up to Boston, just kind of living this fairly fast-paced, career-oriented lifestyle. And when we were 30 or 29 and 30, we hit this point where we said, what are we doing? Mm. We didn't have kids yet. And I'm really grateful that we didn't because I'm thankful we were able to navigate this prior to having children because we really had not figured out who we were at that point. We were working these jobs that we thought were our dream jobs and that we thought would give us this deep sense of purpose and meaning. But we were both working for the weekend and saying, Mm -hmm. you know, I just, this doesn't feel like how I want to use my time, even though we loved our jobs and loved the people that we worked for. Um, So that was a big wake up call because I had always planned on working this career. I was a fundraiser for nonprofit organizations. So I was very focused on the mission of the nonprofit, helping people out. You know, it was a fulfilling career. It just was not right. Mm. So we hit this moment and we said, why are we working these jobs and then spending all this money in an effort to make ourselves feel happy? And so what if we stopped spending the money and then found a way to stop working those jobs? And he asked me, my husband asked me, when are you happiest? And the answer was very simple for me. It was when I'm in the woods hiking. Mm. We had started hiking uh, mountains together a couple years prior, and that was really our escape from the city. Every weekend we were driving out to mountains in order to, you know, scale peaks and and come back down and, and drive back into the city to work all week long. And I said, when are you happiest? And he said, well, funny you should ask also when I'm hiking. So this is, you know, I'm very grateful that we were on such the same page at this point. And so it became this question of, well, why are we living in the city and then escaping to the country? Why don't we just move to the mountains? You know, why don't we just live in the country? And so that started out as a very long-term goal. You know, when we're 65, when we reach traditional retirement, we'll do it then. And we kept saying, okay, you know, maybe we'll like kind of inch this back. Maybe when we're 40, you know, maybe like if when our future kids are in college or something. And then eventually it became, let's do it in three years. Wow. And so, because, you know, when you have that goal and you suddenly realize that you're not living the life you want to be living and you have a vision of the life you want to do, I think for a lot of people, you become willing to do just about anything to reach that goal. So what we did is start saving a very high percentage of our income. So we made great salaries. You know, we had been working these white collar careers for almost a decade at that point. So we we had good income and we weren't saving enough of it. We'd been saving some, but not a lot. So we ramped that savings rate way up high, just cut out every single extraneous expense you can think of, like no haircuts, no clothes, no restaurants, you know, took it all down to the bare bones, figured out what we could live on as our baseline. And then from there projected how much more we would need to save in order to reach financial independence and make this dream a reality. And so this happened for us. And then in May, 2016, we moved to our homestead in the woods of Vermont. And it's a, it's a much longer story than that, but thankfully (laughs) I have a book and I have a blog that you can check out to, you know, to hear the full story, but that's kind of the, the general arc of how we ended up here. I just find this so incredible because you had the self-awareness to really question how your life was going because so many people are living that existence and they're, they're not questioning it. They, they, 
you know, they know that they're living for the weekend. They know that they're not happy with how things are going, but they just think that that's how life is. So why was it, do you think, for your experience that you, that you were able to see it for what it really was and then get out of that situation? That's a great question. And I, you know, I think it's going to be different for everyone. I don't think you can sort of replicate my experience and apply it to your own life, but I think it does come down to having that determination that I don't want to do this. And I really am willing to make sacrifices and make big changes. So it's akin to almost anything else, right? If we decide that we want to lose weight or we want to start an exercise program or get a degree, uh, you know, get a, get a master's degree or something along those lines. I think you really just have to prioritize it and push everything that's unnecessary out of your life. So this was a pretty transformational change for my husband and I, because we've been living this kind of like yuppie lifestyle, you know, in, mm-hmm. in Boston and which is a wonderful place with fabulous restaurants. And, you know, it was a big change for us. It was, it wasn't difficult. I want to, I want to be very clear about sort of the privilege that went into this. You know, it's very easy when you say, oh, well, I have all these extra expenses. What if you don't have those Mm -hmm. extra expenses to cut out of your budget? You know, there's, there's a lot of privilege that goes into having a higher salary and having the ability to do that. That being said, you know, I work with people every day through Frugal Woods who come from very diverse backgrounds and very different income levels. And through being really conscious about what their goals are, they're able to construct a life that at least more nearly fits what they're interested in. And I think identifying that priority and being clear about where you want to be in five years, in 10 years, and then crucially, if you have a partner, and especially if you have kids together, you know, you need to be on the same page. I think it's really can be difficult to have one of these life changing decisions without having the support of your partner if you have one. Oh, absolutely. And I think a lot of people can relate to that, myself included, because the more I've read about your story and others who have done this, the more I'm like, okay, yeah, let's do it. And Mm -hmm. then when you're with someone who's totally opposite of Mm -hmm. that and likes things and likes, you know, restaurants and food and Mm -hmm. things like that, you're right. It is incredibly hard. So what would your advice be for someone i.e. me, (laughs) in that situation, um, how can you kind of, you know, massage them into getting more, you know, conscious and aware of their spending? Mm -hmm. I think it comes down to leading by example. I think it's very hard to push other people. I'm thinking of with my toddler, you know, it's really hard to uh, tell them what to do. But when you show by example how we treat people, for example, going back to the toddler, I think it helps them to internalize why you're doing something. And so with your spouse, if you can demonstrate to them, you know, I'm, I'm choosing not to buy this because I want to build up this savings account, or I want to start contributing to my 401k retirement plan. When you lead by example, I think that's very powerful. And I think it can make a spouse sit up and say, hmm, hmm, they're really serious about this. Mm-hmm. You know, they're actually serious too. And then again, it really comes down to that long-term vision. So I ask people to do goal setting in really kind of this fantastical way where I say, pretend that you are 90 years old and you're looking back on your life. What do you want to say that you've done? 
And for some people, this manifests as writing a dream bio. So if you could describe yourself, you know, as like doing your ideal thing, what what would that be? Or for some people, writing their obituary is really helpful. Not to be morbid, but you know, it's, (laughs) it's just helpful to think, what do I want to have happen in my life? And I have not yet had anyone say, oh, I want to buy a new car every three mm-hmm. years, you know, and I want to be in credit card debt. And I, I want to, um, you know, do renovations that I can't afford on my home and then be stressed about it. I, I have not had anyone say that yet. And right. so I think it's, you know, having that really big picture view is difficult. I, I struggle with it myself, but if you keep that in mind and you have that touch point with your spouse, you're saying, no, you know, remember you said that what you really want to do is uh, sail around the world, right? Okay. So if that's what you really want to do, let's think about how these near-term expenses or near-term actions are not really getting us towards that bigger goal. I love that. I love that. And that's something that everyone can do. You know, leading by example is crucial for everything. Mm-hmm. Um, and I loved a blog that you posted about, um, a blog that you did. It was about how everyone thinks when you have kids, like it's so expensive, you know, kids mm-hmm. are expensive. You hear it daily. Mm-hmm. Um, so talk to us a little bit about that and what you wrote about. Sure. So having kids is more expensive than not having kids. You know, I don't want to be under any illusion. You're not going to like save more money with children. I don't, that that's not going to happen because you know, there are additional people in your household. Um, and at the very least they're going to eat food and my goodness, my toddler eats so much food. So (laughs) the baby, not so much, she still has a pretty small appetite, but it's, you know, you're, you're not going to see no change in your expenses, but I don't think you need to spend anywhere near these sort of wild estimates that I see of how much it costs to raise a child. I'm thinking like, what are these people buying? So, Mm -hmm. you know, from the outset, one of my primary tenants, the way that I live and a piece of advice I always offer is to source things used or secondhand, especially for little babies and little kids, because they just fly through, you know, these supplies and clothes. I mean, please like newborn clothes, you know, it's two weeks and they've, they've outgrown Mm -hmm. it. So so your newborn is going to fly through sizes. I was shocked when I realized how quickly you go through all of these different uh, sizes of clothing and also all of the gear. Mm. My youngest is almost a year old and the amount of stuff that I've already given away is just astronomical. You know, the bumbo seat, the infant bathtub, the exercisor, the jumperoo, um, you know, all of these things that are like fabulous when you need them and you're so grateful for them. After a very short period of time, you don't need them anymore and you don't want them in your house. So I give them away and you, oh, person I'm speaking to who's having a baby, can receive these things for free. So <laughs> check Craigslist, garage sales, thrift stores. But I think the real goldmine are your local parent list serves. So email listservs, Facebook groups of local parents, buy, sell, and swap groups, um, and also the buy nothing group. Cannot promote them enough. It's run through Facebook. It's it's truly buying nothing. So it's neighbors just giving things away. And what I love about it is that it encourages me to declutter. So I'm constantly thinking, okay, what can I get rid of to, to pass mm-hmm. on to someone else? And it gives you this wonderful ethos of not buying new things, uh, being more environmentally friendly because of all the embodied costs of new things. You're keeping things out of a landfill. You're saving money. 
and you are simplifying your life. You know, the fact that I was able to sort of get rid of all that infant stuff that I just mentioned, that greatly simplified our home. And so I really like the full cycle of taking used and then giving away used. And I, I know some people are thinking, oh, but that's gross. Kids are gross. Mm-hmm. I have an entire post on why it's not gross. <laughs> and uh, so we can, we can link to that if you want. But kids are kind of by their nature gross. And so even if you buy things that are brand new, you're still going to have a lot of, shall we say, experiences with those things. (laughs) It's also all washable. So everything has a removable cover. You can wipe it down with vinegar and water. Um, You can, you know, throw most of the covers through the washing machine. And so I I wouldn't let that prevent you. What I tell people when they're kind of struggling with this idea of really wanting to, you know, spend $5,000 to have a designer nursery, here's the thing. The baby does not care. Mm-hmm. No one cares. You're not going to care in the middle of the night when you're feeding them. You're not going to care. And so use that money, save that money and use it for something that's important. Right. So like, diapers. <laughs> like diapers. Like diapers. <laughs> and lots of wipes. <laughs> yeah. But think of it as saving it for being able to take your kids on a vacation mm. when they turn five. Think of it as saving for their college educations. You know, a crib is not an important indicator of your child's long-term well-being. Having a parent who's present and happy and not stressed out about debt, that is imperative for a child's Mm. long-term well-being. I think that's huge. What you just said, that is everything. And I've had tons and tons of interviews with people about a range, you know, ranges of topics. And it always seems to come back to that, that premise, being present, Mm -hmm. being fully here in your body, in your, in your life that is when life really changes and becomes magical. And, and the fact that you just said that, it just confirms that completely for me because I think it's so true. You know, our kids don't really care about the next toy or this or that. They just mm-hmm. want you. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Wow. You know, and it's even as my daughter ages, I still am able to source all of her clothes and toys used and books used. You know, I go to library book sales. I go to um, a children's clothing swap twice a year that some of my neighbors put on and I take all of my newborn stuff and I get things for her next size. And it's just, there really is this kind of ethos and environment out there of being able to pass along and accept, um, you know, free or cheap kid stuff. And I found that in Boston when I lived there with my first daughter and I found it here in rural Vermont. So it exists everywhere. Mm -hmm. I love that. So let's talk about your book. It's called Meet the Frugal Woods, Achieving Financial Independence Through Simple Living. Um, And that was released last March. Talk to us a little bit about the book and who it's really for. So of course, I think the book is for everyone. (laughs) (laughs) I do too. (laughs) You know, and it was something that's wonderful is that through my work on the blog, frugalwoods.com, I know that I have readers who are 16 and I know that I have readers who are in their 80s. And I, I think that there is a message that kind of transcends a lot of age and demographics. I would say for the most part, you know, women who are probably between 20 and 40, are kind of my sweet spot because that's where I am. Mm-hmm. Um, but the book really focuses on what we talked about at the beginning of this interview, those ideas of long-term goal setting and then describing kind of an in intimate detail how I got there and how my husband and I got there together. And then it also has some of the financial steps that we took, but it's much more of a memoir than sort of a financial advice column. So uh, for the 
it's more straightforward financial advice. That's really more contained on my blog. The book is much more of this journey that I take people on through discernment, really, and figuring out how to construct a life that's going to work for you. And it's certainly not about homesteading. You know, it's not about mm-hmm. following my path. It's much more about figuring out the answer to the question, what would I do if I didn't need my paycheck? And then the mm-hmm. follow-up, why am I not doing it? Oh my gosh, I love that. That is so powerful. And you know, if you can sit down and really ask yourselves those two questions, I think you you wouldn't even know the direction that your life could change. So for someone who is thinking about this and becoming increasingly curious about this topic, what's the number one tactic that they should engage in um, when they're starting to go on that financial independence journey? I think that focusing on two sides of this project or two sides of this uh, element are very important. You need to look at your finances and you also need to look at that bigger question of where you want to be in life. Because I think it's, it can be easy for us to say, oh, I want to travel the world and I want to do all these things. And I also want to own, you know, a villa in France and I want to go <laughs> skiing every, and this is fabulous. And yes, I would like to do those things too, but you know, you unless you have limitless resources, you know, most of us have a limit in some way on our resources, either our time or our money. And so having a holistic understanding of your financial situation is going to be really helpful and it's going to ground you in reality. You know, it's going to allow you to actually achieve these things, not just talk about it. So start by tracking your spending. This is like the easiest number one thing. Everybody can do it. Start doing it today. Know what you spend every month because everything else is calibrated off of what you spend. Mm. So you can use an expense tracker like personal capital or mint. You can write it down in a notebook. You can use a spreadsheet. Some uh, banks, you can just kind of export your credit card history. You know, what you're, if you're putting it on a credit card, um, find a way to know. And I really do mean every expense. I really do mean the $2.50 coffee. I do mean, you know, the $5 bib that you had to buy for your child because they managed to rip the other one in half. <laughs> You know, so keep track of everything. Um, And that gives you a really great baseline to start from. And from there, you can look at your debts. So have a spreadsheet, just make your own spreadsheet of your debt. Make a spreadsheet of your income. It's really important to know what your actual take-home pay is. So a lot of people have a salary. You know, let's say your salary is $50,000. That is not the amount of money you are bringing home. Right. You have withholdings, you've got tax, health insurance, employee parking, uh, you know, whatever retirement, whatever is coming out of it. Know what your net take home is every month. Again, look at your expenses, look at your debts, look at any investments, any assets that you have. And this gives you the, a really good picture of where you are financially and what you need to prioritize first. I love that. I love that. It sounds so easy, but I think to a lot of people too, it's really overwhelming and they would mm-hmm. rather just not not even look and just keep things going. But don't be afraid to do it. You know, this is, nobody has to know about this. You know, this is not like you need to post this on Facebook. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. I mean, you don't have to do that, you know, and I think that's something that people really get tripped up with. Like, I don't know how to start this. I'm I'm so embarrassed. I'm like, well, embarrassed with who? Like, this is you and a spreadsheet. Okay. Nobody's looking at it, you know? No, I think that that's really empowering um, and really practical. So that's great. 
Um, but I'm curious, what was the biggest surprise for you when you were going through your financial independence journey, when you were cutting back expenses, when you were, you know, you could actually see that, wow, we can actually do this. This is happening. Mm. What, what surprised you? I was surprised by how much we'd been spending every month. Mm. I, I was not tracking my spending. So, you know, we weren't in debt. We, my husband and I are really, really fortunate that we never had any debt. And so we, we're, we started out our married life with like, I don't know, $5,000, $8,000. So not a lot of money, but no debt. And from there, we just kept saving. But as our salaries increased, and in the beginning, it was very much like we cannot buy this chicken for dinner because we will not be able to pay rent. I mean, we could just barely afford rent on our basement apartment with, at our beginning. <laughs> Mm-hmm. at our beginning salaries, which is a position a lot of people oh, are yeah. in. But as our salaries increased, guess what? Our lifestyle increased. You know, we had great lifestyle inflation and I had not realized sort of how out of control our spending had gotten. And so having that com- coming face to face with that, that was kind of hard because mm-hmm. I had always thought of myself as like a thrifty deal seeking person. And I had not understood that the best way to save money is to just not buy anything at all. You know, going for sales is not like right. a great way to save money. So that was really eye-opening. It was a little bit hard for me to, to accept that. Wow. That, that's awesome. Because I think that so many women, especially the mothers listening can relate to that. You know, we, oh, yeah. we think that we're doing so great when right. we hit a sale at Macy's or whatever. And I'm, I'm right in that party too. But I think just talking about it like we are is already creating change and bringing more awareness. So that's mm-hmm. really good. Um, and for that mom who's listening, you know, she just wants to spend more quality time with her children. That's probably why she's tuning into this particular episode. She wants to be in a better position financially for herself and for her family. Um, you know, but maybe she feels trapped. She feels trapped in this cycle of work and bills. So what would you say to her? What can she do to create change? Oh, there's so much you can do. And, you know, I don't want people to lose heart or feel hopeless. Um, you know, it comes down to three things, your income, your expenses, and then time. So it may take longer for you to reach that kind of financially independent or financially stable space, but you can get there. You know, and I I don't like it when people think, oh, but I have all this debt. I can never Mm -hmm. get there. You can get there. Um, And so start off again, track those expenses, see where it's going. And then I know the first thing you're going to say is daycare. Well, I'm out. You know, I'm spending $3,000 a month on daycare. Yes, you are. And is that avoidable? No, it's not. And so pay for daycare. Eventually they're going to be out of daycare. All right. They're going to go to school, take that daycare payment and put it straight into savings. Okay. This is, this is not like suddenly a windfall of being able to spend this daycare payment. So if you're paying for that daycare right now, know that that's in the future, that money is available to you to use in a more discerning way, whether that's investments, savings, putting it into your own retirement, taking a vacation, uh, so don't be disheartened because daycare is, you know, it's not forever and know that there's an end in sight for that money. Uh, be really critical about your spending, you know, be really honest about what you need to spend and do the tough math of how much you're spending in order to work because we all pay to work in some way. Mm-hmm. And so if you're a working parent, you're paying to work through daycare, obviously, possibly a house cleaner, possibly takeout food and restaurant meals, possibly um, 
you know, ordering stuff on Amazon at midnight because you need it the next day, because apparently it's, you know, uh, Valentine day at preschool and you're supposed to bring a <laughs> Valentine, which I just, I lost the note about this. I was like, what? Anyway, so you know, this is going to happen. I understand how this goes. Um, but be really honest, like, Hmm, how, what is actually this, this gaming out to, you know, when I look at my net income and then I look at how much I'm paying to work. And I'm not saying, oh, quit working. That's the answer. Because I think we all work for a lot of different reasons. You know, we work for fulfillment. We work to have an identity away from parenting. I know that's certainly true for me. We work because we love it. We also work for the money. But be really cognizant of how much you're paying to work. And find ways to scale that back. You know, so yeah. So if it's takeout, if it's food, I know it's food. It's always food. It was for me. Mm-hmm. Meal prep. I know it's the most boring thing on earth. I don't like it. It's like not my thing. Meal prep, cook once a week, put it in the freezer, rotate out. I have endless posts on how to do this, um, you know, but find a way to get those food costs under control. I love that. And that's such a great, I think that's a great way to end the episode just on that alone, because it's something again, very practical. Um, yeah, maybe tough when you first get going, but then once you're in it, I feel like it's, it's almost a game, you know, and it's a game that you can actually win. It is. Yeah. And get your kids involved. Like my toddler just, she absolutely loves helping us cook. My husband does most of the the cooking and she is just like up there in her tower, like in heaven. So, you know, kids involved in it. That's awesome. Um, so I do have some rapid fire questions if you're ready. I am. Okay. Financial independence is? For me, it means having the choice whether or not I work. So it's not needing to rely on my paycheck or my husband's paycheck, but uh, being able to choose the type of work that I do and the amount of time that I spend on my work. I love it. I'm grateful for it. Oh, I'm grateful for so many things. Obviously, my family, my husband, I'm grateful for the ability to do what I want to do in life, which is to be a writer and to do things like this and spend time with my kids. I love it. And I believe in. I believe I believe in people figuring out what they want to do in life and doing it because I believe that when you are doing what you're meant to do, your impact will radiate outwards. If you are doing what you want to do, you'll be passionate about it. You'll be good at it and you will help so many people. 100%. And lastly, what's one thing that you've learned in life that you wish someone would have told you earlier on? The symptoms of postpartum depression. Yeah. So I had postpartum depression after both of my daughters were born, but it wasn't diagnosed until about six months after my second child was born. And I am now taking medication and doing therapy and just am such a happier person and better parent. And I wish that I had not been so stubborn Mm -hmm. and that I had acknowledged that I needed help sooner. That's beautiful. And I know so many women listening, we've had episodes on postpartum. It's a huge issue. Mm-hmm. So many women who, you know, usually are diagnosed are the strong ones. So they're not used to asking for help. Um, right. So. You're like, I can muscle through this. And yeah. I was trying to like a yoga my way out of it. I was like, I will do more yoga. I will hike. I will change my diet. I will, right. you know, no, it's a chemical imbalance. 100%. Oh, I love that you just said that. Oh, I just got chills. Um, so how can our listeners find you, find your blog and find your book? Uh, My blog is at frugalwoods.com. I am on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook at Frugal Woods. And the book is Meet the Frugal Woods. So I'm I'm pretty straightforward Frugal Woods. 
<laughs> I love it. And I was obsessed. I was reading all of your blog posts earlier this morning. They're so good. They're so well written. Oh, thank you. Um, and just offer a lot of great value um, in the content. So definitely, definitely check it out. Well, thank you, Liz. This was so much fun. I feel like I could talk to you all day, but I know you have your babies that need you. <laughs> <laughs> thank you. This was a lot of fun. Yeah. Talk to you soon. Thank you. Thanks. Hey guys, this is Liz Carlisle and you have been listening to the Motherhood Unstressed podcast. I hope you enjoyed this episode with Elizabeth. Hope you learned a lot and I hope that her story inspired you to get out there, simplify your life, prioritize how you want to spend your time because it always comes back to time being the most precious resource that we have. It's not things, it's not experiences necessarily, it's just the time that we have to be on this earth. So if you love this episode, please share it with a friend. Please leave us a five-star review on iTunes. And until next time, I will talk to you soon. This episode is brought to you by Four Sigmatic. Four Sigmatic is the Finnish company bringing you medicinal mushrooms that you can add to your coffee, your smoothies, or even some hot water. And you might be wondering, why would I add mushrooms to anything that I drink? Um, and the answer is that mushrooms have been proven to help so much with your immune system. They really do strengthen it and balance out all of those systems in your body so that you actually feel vibrant and healthy and strong and you're not going to get sick like maybe you used to. Um, so definitely check them out and use the code UNSTRESSED to save a checkout.